Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. When I write, when I do videos, when I speak, I want to be transparent and vulnerable in order to help others. My encouragement to you is you are not alone. Whatever you're going through, someone else is going through the exact same thing. When you're going through life dragging this brokenness around with you, it slows you down. You can't be fully present to the people in your life. You can't give it your all if you're thinking about something else. I control the input into my business, but God's controlling the impact. As an entrepreneur, former executive, husband, and father of three, Corey Carlson understands the pressures working parents face. He's passionate about helping business leaders win both at work and home. 20 years in corporate America gave Corey amazing opportunities as he worked his way up the executive level. But he also saw brokenness, work without purpose, strained marriages, and absentee parents. Business leaders especially were often not living life to the fullest. When Corey discovered coaching, it helped him become a better leader, husband, and father. So he left his corporate career to help other leaders achieve a healthier work-life balance. Currently, Corey lives in Cincinnati with this awesome wife and three amazing children. Corey has an engineer degree from the University of Missouri and an MBA from Rockhurst University. Corey is the author of Win at Home First, an inspirational guide to work-life balance. His book was Amazon number one, new release in three categories, and listed in Forbes as seven books everyone on your team should read. Corey is also host of the Win at Home First podcast. Getting to interview Corey was an incredible experience because of the way that he carries forth these wonderful principles that I feel really resonate with where I'm at in my life and where I know lots of people are at. We have all these pressures to continue being successful at work, to have outside forms of success in every way possible, but it all starts with winning first at home and finding that solitude, dating your partner, spending time with your children, and having boundaries um, and priorities set up to make sure that you can be successful without having to sacrifice what's going on at home. I really think he understands purpose, and I'm super excited for you to get fired up and fueled um, with purpose after this episode. Corey says it like it is. He leads with authenticity, with vulnerability, and I know that you're going to be able to drop whatever's dragging you whatever you're dragging after this episode. So I'm really excited for you to get to listen to today's episode with our interview with today's person of purpose, Corey Carlson. Hello, Corey Carlson, and welcome to the People of Purpose podcast. Wonderful to have you here today. Uh, Thank you very much, Tana, for having me. I first learned about you through my manager and his wife, actually, Tom and Pia. Um, And Tom is just now joining us to, to listen in on this interview um, because you were a guest on the Family Life podcast and I got to listen to this as well. And it was amazing to hear about your story about coming clean and your affair and how you like rebuilt trust with your wife. Um, and I just think for a married person, it's something that everyone kind of needs to hear. So they sent me a message right after they had heard this episode and asked if we could reach out. And now we have reached out and it's really wonderful to have you here. Uh, thank you very much. 
thanks Tom and Pia for uh, <laughs> kickstarting it. Yeah, it's really cool to to get to get to get to hear them influence the podcast now. Um, so one thing that I I noticed about your um your story was, so you were facing this this burden in your heart where you had had this affair that was going on and it had finished and you had felt like you moved on from it. Your career was blossoming, your family life was getting back to how it was, but you were sitting there in church, not really. Um, you were feeling called to to share this with your wife. Um, and I, I remember you talking about this message, like, I want to trade this story for a greater story. That is like, to me, so at the core of, of what it means to live a life fully intentional and aligned to purpose. Can you share like what that meant to you, that, that part about trading this story for a greater story and why that caused you to take all these massive actions that would really disrupt you know, a lot of what had been going on in your life and start really on a new path? Yeah, for sure. You know, they, the, the phrase that I've heard, felt, you know, whether it's audible or not from God was, you know, hand over your story for a greater story. Mm-hmm. And that really spoke to me at that moment, just even hearing it and saying it now, I can get chills, kind of replaying it. But the, the idea of your story for a greater story, and at the time, I didn't know what that meant. Like, like, like what's the greater story? What does that mean? Uh, my, 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 my story seems to be doing okay <laughs> just by itself. <laughs> and yep. like, like you mentioned, I'd been promoted. I was at the highest level at that, at that time, the highest level of my career. And, um, you know, kind of marriage and kids were, were going, well, surfacely well. Um. And I just, when I heard that, I was like, what does that mean? What do I do about that? And what is the greater story? Now, fast forward to now, I know what the greater story is. The greater story is to share such on a platform like this to help others realize that they don't have to be stuck. They don't, if they made poor choices in a marriage or their poor choices in their parenting or, or burned out at work or whatever it is, they don't have to be defined by it anymore. Instead, it's kind of that hands open. So I'm trying to approach life more, even since that moment with the hands open, where I can receive whatever God has for me, where the old me used to be closed fist, holding on to my job title, holding on to maybe the salary I made, holding on to what I thought was all about image, holding on to those things and tight fisted. And now it's more of a hey, open hand. I want to be part of your story, God. Where are we going? What are we doing? How do I get to participate? That's beautiful. That takes a, a lot of of humility to say that and to really surrender to that process. Um, what do you think? Uh, so nowadays, nowadays, you're working with higher level CEOs and helping them to be more vulnerable and all this sort of stuff. What do you think it is that's that's preventing people from having that open hand mindset that that you've now adopted? I think you know, a big one is just comfort. You know, the you you're familiar with the known, mm-hmm. you know, even the arguments I would make in my own head about, Oh, should I, you know, come clean of my affair or anything like that? It's like, no, I have a marriage. I have kids. I have a house. I've got a job. If I come clean of this, all that could go away. And people think I'm a fraud. And so, you know, I had issues about identity and then, you know, what would happen to the marriage? So then I had, issues with kind of that stability or structure of what I thought a good, you know, human was supposed to be. 
And just all those different reasons. So I think a lot of people won't make changes because of comfort. And I just had a conversation yesterday at lunch with an executive talking of, you know, about dreams and ideas he had. And he talked about how he can't believe that I left corporate America to build a coaching business. Like, how did you do it? How did you leave the salary? And, and I said, it wasn't an overnight decision. It took time to really kind of prepare God softening my heart for it. And even in that conversation of just leaving security of a corporate job in this gentleman's life to pursuing some other dreams he had, it was all about, he didn't want to leave the known, the comfort. I'm on the board of directors for a nonprofit called Aruna. And we help with women who've been freed from sex trafficking in Mumbai, India. Mm -hmm. And it's an awesome organization, but there will be, there'll be times where we could show the, the women, Hey, you're going to come over here. Not, not to the United States, but you know, over here to this manufacturing facility here in Mumbai, you're going to make product. It's going to be awesome. And you'll be with other women and you'll be kind of freed from this whole sex trafficking. But women will turn that down because the fear of the unknown. Yeah. Like even though they're in a brothel and things are awful, that's known. Mm -hmm. And so there's a sense of security, even if it's a weird and dark, that sense of security of the known that people can have. Right. And so... And just even when I heard that, I was like, that is unbelievable. But I see that in our everyday lives where it's that comfort that we all get into that we don't want to break break away from because we don't know what the unknown's like. And so my encouragement to anyone is, hey, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to start growing and going a different direction, then it's going to have to be some uncomfortable steps. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that a lot. I think that some of the biggest life-changing decisions I've made was was putting comfort kind of really low on their priority list and saying yes to some sort of voice or feeling or, you know, connection to something that was greater than myself without really knowing what it may look like. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you did that as well. Um, how do you even start from just the awareness perspective? How can people even recognize that they're that they're stuck and needing to be unstuck? if they have the good corporate life going, if they have, you know, all the hallmarks of success going on in their life, what is it that, that you help people tune into first to even know that they need to get unstuck? Yeah. Usually with, with, I mean, all the coaching and things that I do, we start with yourself. Like, you know, where exactly are you? How are you doing? Mm -hmm. Are you, um, you know, filling a life to the full, or are you tired and reaching burnout? So a lot of times it kind of just starts with you. It's that whole idea. We've heard it a thousand times before, but in order to help someone else on an airplane, you got to give yourself oxygen before you give someone else oxygen. Right. We've all heard that, but it's just true in, a, in an example like this, where, you know, you got to make sure you're doing your self care, that you're in a good place. Like I'll get into, I'll have clients and even friends where it'll be like, you know, well, my wife is doing this or, you know, my spouse and it's annoying or my kids are doing this. It's like, stop, <laughs> stop pointing the finger at all of them. Yes. They may not be doing things right. They very well could have some imperfections. We all do, but let's start with you. Like, Hey, how can you be praying for more grace, more mercy? How can you work on your forgiveness of the things that they're doing? Like, how can you 
armor up better and show up better and kind of win that day. And, and then we'll, then we can start worrying about the others. But for, but first it's say hey, it's starting with yourself. It's like, what is the current reality? Right. I love what Jim Collins talks about in the book, good to great, great leaders will confront the brutal facts, but yet have an unwavering hope for the future. Mm-hmm. So it's confronting the brutal facts. Like what is going on right now in that executive or that business leader's life, the good, the bad, the ugly, let's just talk about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a beautiful quote as well. It's like so needed to be able to um, be honest about the current situation, but also be hopeful and optimistic about where things can go. So what? where were you like in your life when, when you felt like you weren't so aligned to your purpose, where you weren't winning at home? Can you just kind of ground us in where you were in your life before you kind of um, felt really connected to your sense of purpose? Maybe before you were even considering coaching before you even like you know knew that you had problems going on where were you and how can how can uh, people kind of relate to that and then what what kind of was going on to help spark that transition into the you know the person and the identity you're carrying now yeah you know so when I was in Denver is where I was when you know came clean of my affair and, and leading up to that and I think we've all had different feelings like this where I just knew I wasn't my true self. Like when I was, you know, with my, with, with, with my wife, when I was in sitting in church, hearing a sermon, you know, kind of wherever I was, I knew I wasn't able to give my full self because there was some darkness, you know? And so I, I know listeners who are listening to this, they may have never had an affair and awesome. Good job. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Um, but it may be porn. It may be a gambling addiction. You know, it may be just a distraction that their mind is elsewhere, that there's a sin or a darkness in their life that can't allow them to be fully present with those that they're with, whether it's their spouse, it's their kids. Um, and so for me, um, when we moved to, to Denver and, you know, my wife wanted to start going to church because she knew I was, you know, supposed to be this good, you know, Christian guy. And I obviously didn't want to go to church because I wasn't a dummy. I knew I had a skeleton in my closet. I started to go and I started to meet cool guys that were, that I enjoyed spending time with that were good Christian guys, but that were also broken. And I never really experienced that. All the Christians, if you will, in my life prior to that were that kind of perfect veneer. Life's great. My my job's awesome. My marriage is awesome. And and I didn't really see any, like, that truth, if you will. But when I started spending time with these guys in Denver, that's when God started softening my heart. That there is, there's more out there. And so it was, a like I said, Tanner, it wasn't an overnight deal. It God has kind of been working and softening my heart to do that for when that one night did finally come. Right. Where I, you know, so for, you know, for me, that's where it was, is I knew that I wasn't showing up as my best self everywhere and I couldn't fully be present. And so for anyone listening, if that's the case, and I think that's the, the part of, hey, kind of loosening your hands and opening up to say, God, what do you have for me? What do I do with this? Yep. So what was it about these guys at church besides the fact that they were broken? Like I would say it's pretty easy for people to look around and find people in their life that are broken. I don't think that that's probably quite 
know the whole story. What is it about these guys that allowed you to open up? Did they exhibit some sort of quality or trait that you were that you were looking for, or how did how did you allow for that transition to happen where you started to open your fists? Were you lead, were you the one leading all the broken men in opening fists, or were you being led by these men? Yeah, being you know being led, or I well, I definitely wasn't doing a lot of leading um, at that time. I, I think I was in I was more being led, or they're more peers. Um, well, I think what it, well what it was is they you made a combat. Well, they just weren't broken. You're right. They just weren't broken and content with it. They were that idea that when we meet with Jesus, he meets us where we're at, but he doesn't want us to stay there. Right. That's what these guys were is they were broken, but they knew they didn't want to stay there. So they're growing in their faith. They were spending more time in the word, figuring out how to grow. Like, I love how Paul talks about in second Corinthians where by one degree at a time, we grow closer to God. And that's what these guys were doing is there was brokenness. They, you know, Maybe it was a relationship with their spouse or the way that they're parenting or the way that they're losing their anger or whatever it may be. They weren't content with staying that way. They knew there was we were supposed to live a life to the full. Right. And so for these individuals, they put it out on the table. This is where I want to grow. How do I grow and get better? And so when I started to see they were broken, but they were content not staying there and they did not have shame in their brokenness. Mm -hmm. Instead, they were talking about it. And, and I was just that I, that was awesome. I got to see that, that, Hey, come as you are, but be prepared to move. Yeah. That's awesome to to be able to see um, the power of people leading with vulnerability around you will inspire you to be open, honest, and vulnerable first with yourself and then you get to the point where you're vulnerable with outsiders. Um, and we noticed, uh, like in researching this in your videos, you're definitely not afraid to be vulnerable. Um, what was it going on, you know, at this point that allowed you to start to open up to being so vulnerable with outsiders? Was there, was there any other influences going on? Or was there um, some sort of result or benchmark or something you were trying to hit? Or was this just a product of, you know, of an evolution you were going through? Yeah, it's interesting you, you comment that, that you see con- consistency or vulnerability. That's good. I mean, thank you for, for that. Um, you know, the reason why I, I am vulnerable, one, it's just kind of who I am, just being truthful, of trying to help others. Mm-hmm. But people need to hear it, like almost like the punch, the, the kind of punch in the face of this is the reality. Like, here it is, and let's go forward as opposed to sugarcoating things and kind of tiptoeing around, it's, it's kind of, it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, when I, when I write, when I do videos, when I speak, I want to be transparent and vulnerable in order to help others. Mm -hmm. Now I got to be careful. I mean, it's not just, I don't lead every conversation with the affair card. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't need everything with full vulnerability and transparency because at some point it's like we, we've seen this song and dance. Like, no, I, if I'm meeting with someone for coffee or I'm doing a talk, I mean, I kind of feel it out to see what I think's needed. And if I get a prompting in my spirit to share a story that may 
you know, expose some vulnerability in me, but I believe it will help others, I will do it. But I'm just not going to start sharing different stories of my life, you know, because you know, I've had other dumb decisions other than just, you know, the, the affair we mentioned. But I'm not going to go advertise all those or, you know, my, my ups and downs just for my own sake. It's when I think they'll be helpful to somebody else. That's the idea of part of the greater story. If I think it's going to help move somebody else closer to God, then I'll share it. And so for me, that's why I do those videos that way at different times where, or if I'm writing a post or um, just other things that I may do, if I feel kind of that calling to open up on a certain topic, I'll go for it. If I believe it's going to help somebody. Yeah, of course, man. Like, yeah, I think what you're talking about is part of the greater story is, is really what the concept is here. Um, it, it really takes a, a high commitment to that surrender of what your own ego and image and identity are for uh, someone else to, and, and yourself to kind of walk you know, a better, a better path and, and go on a, a greater journey for a greater story. Um, so I really yeah, commend you for doing that. I find it challenging to be um, vulnerable with people with like early on, like it's very challenging to, um, people are always sizing each other up, especially I'm sure in the business world, you have this veneer, this facade you have to carry. Like I'm confident and smart and know what I'm doing and I can sell X amount of this product in X amount of time and be like, you know, top of the leaderboard. It's such a, I would imagine a lot of people that come from your background are in a very difficult position to be vulnerable because there's an exact like negative ROI to being vulnerable initially. Um, how do you, what, what advice do you have for people to kind of break free from that limiting belief and, and start to open up if they are more of a, a person that, that just doesn't really carry this naturally in their heart and they're just in a position in life where it most likely wouldn't serve their interests, you know, right away? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Whatever any listeners processing, thinking, my encouragement to you is you are not alone. Whatever you're going through, someone else is going through the exact same thing. Absolutely. The devil wants you to believe you're the only one going through it. You know, you're the only one of your buddies that's got marital problems. You're the only one that is lacking purpose and drive right now in your life. That's what the devil wants you to think because lone wolves get taken out. Because if you can stay in your little silo and not talk to anybody about the issues, your frustrations, the brokenness that you have, that's exactly where the devil wants you to be. Because mm -hmm. you'll stay right there. And so the in, you know, encouragement is to start stepping out, find people to help you, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a coach, whether it's some a great, you know, men's group or women's group, depending on your gender, and and join it. And and the reason I can say that with such confidence is. I do a ton of one-on-one -on -one calls with clients who are executives, who are business leaders. And almost all the time, it is, they'll be talking, they'll be sharing something like, I'm probably the only one that you've heard this from. It's like, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> or man, I feel like I'm just, uh, you know, you're my therapist, you're my counselor or, you know, whatever it could be. It's like, no. You're just processing this particular situation going on in your life right now. And I hear this all the time from people. And so 
being having these private one-on-one calls with clients or these engagements with clients, I understand that everyone is going through junk right? and bring it to the surface so you can start to work on it and mine through it. Otherwise, if we keep it below the surface, it will implode sometime. Yeah. If you're listening to this episode and you're, 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 you're finding, you know, a similar identity to where Corey was and has been and where many of us are, um, and you're seeing value to this kind of an episode, um, go ahead and pause right here. We're not going anywhere. Um, and go leave a quick rating, um, and review on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you do that, um, to really help uh, spread the awareness of, you know, what's, what Corey's story is and what the lessons we're learning today. Come right back and we'll be right here. Thank you. So I think that that what you're saying is people need to feel connected to a sense of community that allows them to process what they're what they're struggling with, express them from a place of authenticity versus what kind of the world's telling you you need to be. Um, and then this is like where you know the river starts to open up and you really a lot of change begins and you get to really start to blossom into your purpose. Is that essentially what you're saying or would you have something to add or, or change about that? No, I mean, I think it's you know, very true. I mean, I, I just think to add on to that when we are, I think of it like a ball and chain. When you're dragging, going through life, dragging this brokenness around with you, it slows you down. Mm. You can't be all thing. You can't be fully present to the people in your life. You can't give it your all if you're thinking about something else. Mm-hmm. You know why I'm so adamant about you? We need to win at both home and at work. That's kind of been my message of we, we need to win at both places. It's it's not an either or. Right. And, I, and if I share this, everyone will understand where you can be in a work meeting, be talking with your coworkers about work or nowadays on a Zoom call, but work. But you and your mind aren't paying attention because you're thinking about the fight that you and your spouse had that morning. Or if it's, you know, towards the end of the day at work, you can't concentrate on work because you're thinking about the re-entry back in your house. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, or I'm going to have to talk about this with my spouse or my kids. They're going to be crying and annoying, you know, whatever it could be. We our work in our home is so integrated right now, maybe more so than it's ever been. Of course, with COVID nineteen for yeah. sure. Like yeah, with COVID for sure. Connected. Absolutely. And so it's it's figuring out, hey, how do we basically live a life where we're winning at work and at home? And so that's why, you know, as you opened up this this little segment on this, that's why I think it's so critical to to be open handed with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're wasting a lot of energy and we're drawing ourselves out of the beauty the beauty of the present moment, having these kind of worries. And I mean, one thing I've been learning um, kind of at this juncture of my life, my, my mid-20s, now I'm entering my late 20s, is worry is, is pretty toxic. There's not a whole lot of, of purpose or benefit to worry. You need to like, you know, express that you're worried, give it over to God, but then be open with those open hands to receive something new and refreshing because God always will nourish you. He'll always provide for you. And we don't need to worry that um, we won't have love again, or we won't be able to make our career again or whatever. Like it really takes um, that courage to be able to say, I'm not worried about this. This is in God's hands. And, you know, God has my hands too. 
Um, so I just really, I think this message that you're saying is extremely important because no matter what industry people come from, what age they come from, what background, everyone struggles with these ball and chain scenarios where it's like, it would be easier, be more comfortable to not express this sinful thing I've done that's, you know, caused me to be irresponsible and is shameful. Um, but I've moved on and they didn't notice and we're all good. Um, I find that even the, those small instances of you expressing that is so cleansing, like so much new new energy gets opened up in you. Um, and then you become even more than that. You become like you know someone that's uh, a leader or an advocate for people that are struggling with this, like you are. Like you, you open up to a greater story. I think that that's very at the core of living purposeful life. I mean, being a person of purpose. So I'm glad to have you on the show. Oh, it's all, no, it's awesome. Thank you. Love what you're doing. Um, so I wanted to talk about some of the things in, in the research. I had Tom, my, my podcast manager, do a lot of the research on this one because he's the one that found you. Um, he's listening on the call, by the way, just as a fly on the wall. Um, because he's really interested in your story and he's, he's gotten me really interested as well. Um, I've already expressed a lot of the reasons why I'm interested, but, um, there are some specific things that came up in the research that I found to be fascinating. And Tom found that as well. Um, there's this, there's this thing about, you talk about the guy at Starbucks who isn't doing anything other than being in the moment without a phone or laptop. He's just being there. And you talk about how crazy that looks to the outside world. Um, but also how important it is for us to have this downtime and be present with God and ourselves and others. When did you realize this? When did you start to incorporate this quiet, present time in your life when everyone around you is so connected and buzzing with you know, results and you know, all these life metrics of success? How are you the guy at Starbucks that sits there and just takes it all in? Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that phrase. Um, and I, I said it's an image I've used and talk about where you know, saw the site, saw this individual at Starbucks, all they were doing was sitting there, no phone, no tablet, just sitting there like a psychopath. <laughs> and uh, I just love that because that's it. I mean, if you look around, like when you go to Starbucks today or when you go anywhere with a line or any moment, no one can sit still. Right. Everyone is always quick to grab their phone or tablet or whatever it is. And whether it's, you know, it's for a security blanket because no one wants to sit alone and look like they aren't important. But <laughs> besides <laughs> all that, we are always consuming information, even dumb information where, you know, we may just be cruising up and down the news feed, our Facebook feed, LinkedIn feed, you know, we're just consuming information. And what I have seen in my, in my faith journey is we need time of solitude where we are not consuming any more information. We have enough information coming into our brains. Mm -hmm. But if we look at Jesus's life, we see that he did a fantastic job of managing a few different relationships. One was to his father, where he would go and be quiet and pray. The other was to his group of friends. And then whether it's the three good friends or it was 12 disciples and then the other is out, out and about where it's the woman at the well, it is feeding the 5,000. So it's just, you know, many people have seen this, but it's this idea of up in and out, this triangle. So for me in my own life, I could do the out, no problem doing sales, growing businesses, being social and active out and about. I could do the out. 
the in, having close friends and my family. But if I'm not careful, I don't do the up where I don't spend any quiet time going to God, praying, thinking about my day. And so for me, seeing that Jesus managed those three relationships so well, I knew I need to do that also. Then you start taking a look at even secular data where I love this book, Lead Yourself First, where it says that the decline in American leadership, not this is not a political statement, it's talking about corporate America, the decline in leadership is due to a decline in solitude because solitude brings emotional balance, it brings self-awareness. And if we start to lose that as leaders, then that's not a good thing. So secular data shows how we need solitude. We need time to think, time to pray or meditate or whatever it may be. And then for those of us that you know follow Jesus, we know we need to go to God to get our direction, to get vision, to get what are those kind of next steps. So with all that being said, that's why I believe in solitude. And we need to figure out time to cut out the noise, cut out all the inputs, and spend time in prayer, meditation, or journaling. Beautiful. Yeah, and what I know about you just from the first 15 minutes before is I know that this doesn't come natural to you. I would imagine so because you you like to move fast, talk fast, you're results-oriented, boom, 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 let's get things done. The, the, you, you're not like the, the, the Buddhist monk guy who sits there for 10 years in solitude. How do you recommend that, that these like more – um, you know, business leaders, executives, even like type A people, how do they, how do they start to cultivate this in themselves? You know, smart people, I, I would say nowadays, mindfulness and, and spirituality and all, all these sort of things are, are fairly mainstream. Like, I think it comes across people's newsfeed, it comes into their life through relationships and stuff, but it just stays in their head. It's not something that becomes a practice or an act um, on a daily basis. How do you recommend that people kind of move it from their head into kind of their heart and their soul and and their gut um, into their daily basis? Yeah, no. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, that you you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly me. If I'm not careful, I'll skip right over quiet time or I'll be doing quiet time. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I better start responding to all these emails. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that a lot. Like, oh, I got this idea. Let's start working now. Oh, absolutely. So what I have done over the over the years, and trust me, every day is not perfect. Absolutely. But I like journaling. And journaling can look different a few different ways. But one reason I like journaling is I go to the back of the book when I have an idea or to do, and I just write it down. I get it out of my mind. What I used to do is I would be in quiet time or solitude, and I'd be thinking, you know, oh, I need to make sure I go to the store and get this. And so the whole time I'm thinking, praying, I'm replaying this loop. I need to make sure I go to the store. Don't forget to go to the store. Holly's going to be upset if I don't go to the store. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, God, what else, you know, what else should we talk about? Oh, don't forget to go to the store. Like I continue on this loop and I know a lot of people do. So for me, I like journaling because I'll go to the back of my journal and I'll just write down, go to the store or make sure I email Mm so-and-so. And I, I will do that to get that out of my mind, but I don't forget about it. So that's been one thing that's been helpful. I have to spice up my quiet time. I mean, I, I, I can get bored just like everyone else. So I'll need to find a new devotion book that's fun or enticing or do something with the, the version Bible app or 
there's a series of questions that I'll ask myself. So I, you're exactly right. I can't just go sit out, sit out there monk style. It is, it is hard for me to do. And so I need to make sure my computer's closed and I'm not looking at my emails and my phone is off to the side and I'm not looking at my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I do go to the phone, like to do the U version app, then it is be diligent, go straight to the app and don't look at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's helped me because I am, I'm that, you know, type a high energy extrovert, kind of all those different things that go against solitude. And, but the reason I keep going back to it, even though I say how hard it can be is because of the fruit I've gotten out of it. Yeah. I've gotten so much fruit out of my solitude. When I re- go back and I reread through journals, it's awesome to see different breakthroughs that I've had. To see the things that I was stressed about that I was, through God's help, able to overcome. Yeah. To see what I worried about, which really wasn't that big of a worry. To even look back at my celebrations and, and the cool things that God helped provide. So that's why I like quiet time and solitude, even though I don't, even though I screw it up from time to time, is I just continue. <laughs> Of course. Uh, man, how did you even... So most people don't, can't even make the time to journal and sit still and meditate and pray. And you did the, even the next step. You go and look back at those journals while you're sitting there in solitude. Um, how did you How do you incorporate that practice then where you're going back and rereading the journals? Yeah. Well, it's not as consistent as I'd like. I'd love to tell you, hey, you know, I do it for 30 minutes every Friday. And... Uh, <laughs> The Saturday a month, I go through and reread all my past. It's not consistent. I wish it was. I want to make it more consistent. But it's interesting. I just finished a journal here in the last week, a journal uh, book. Mm-hmm. You know, I use those moleskin type books. And I want to go back and read it. And this one started in February. So I went from February to now, I went through a journal. I went and read through it. And it was intense. I mean, it, I think there's a reason I was prompted to go read it because March was COVID. And you look at my journal, I was a hot mess. <laughs> you know, one day I'm scared to death. What's happening? Where's the revenue of the business going? Speaking engagements are canceled. And then about, about a week later, I'm grateful to God. And I'm saying, thanks. Thanks for this. Thanks for our health. And I was blown away by the stuff that I was reading. And, um, wow. and it, was, it was awesome to see. And I think God took me back to that journal entry for a couple of reasons. One, my own self to see my journey that I did have some lows, but God got me through them. Mm-hmm. Two, I shared this exact story with a client who needed to hear it. I didn't know he needed to hear it as much as he did, but the, sometimes the timing of us doing things there, God's at work. Yeah. So for me to do it for this particular client was exactly God knew what was going on, even though I didn't. So that's, like I said, I would love to do a much better job of rereading them, but um, I, I do occasionally. It's fun. Thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Corey Carlson on helping people connect to more significant performance and greater purpose. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Corey talking about his role as a coach for business professionals the to-do list mindset, how he gets things done at work while prioritizing winning at home, and lastly, capturing family victories and staying connected.